This is the Village Church Q&A podcast, where our goal is to create digital, shareable, and helpful content to make disciples who will go, grow, and overcome. Hey, Village Church. Welcome back to the Village Church Q&A podcast. Pastor Tim and Pastor Michael with you. Pastor Michael, we are going to get to this second part of the answer that we gave yesterday to the question. But before we get there, we have three asks. Asks. Good. First one, be sure to go to our church website, vcob.org, and click on that link that says Q&A podcast. Be sure to submit your question to Pretty us. please. Pretty please. Pretty please. And the second one, be sure to share this podcast or any of the other podcasts with a friend or a family member, or as you say, Michael. An enemy, a foe, a adversary, an adversary. I you get think more. you yeah. get the idea. You get the idea. And third, be sure to rate and review this podcast by going to the iTunes store. All right, Michael, here's our question. Second part, what questions should I ask before committing to a church? And we said yesterday we were going to really push this one towards the believer that has been around church world for a while. Yep. And uh, I want to just start off. I want to say this. There is too much at stake. The, The end is at hand. People are going to hell. There's too much at stake to jump into a church without asking the right questions. Mm-hmm. I, I'll just speak for myself. I want to be a part of a church that in its sphere of influence is moving forward the kingdom of Jesus That's Christ. Right. I want to. I, I, I'm not exactly pumped about jumping into a broken church that is on a downward trajectory. And I, I know that's hard. I'm just saying that's personally, right. like – I don't want to be fighting with the church. I want to be fighting against the kingdom of darkness. That's so right. as we say that, um, I think it is incumbent upon anybody who is entering into a new church to ask the right questions. And so um, yesterday we talked about um, uh, discerning what they believe, their website, looking at their debt and their budget. And then number four was look at the culture. culture. Yeah. yeah. So I want to talk about three things today. If you've been around the church world, these are three big um, conversations that you're probably going to need to sit down with a pastor or staff member. And uh, I want to be honest, these are three um, subjects that aren't always easy to talk about, um, but pastors should welcome these conversations. That's right. And uh, these are regular conversations that I am having with people as they come into mm-hmm. the village church. So you might be moving into a new city, your church may have closed down. You may be leaving a church because of, um, we'll just say unreconciled, what is that word in divorce court? Uh, Unreconcilable differences. That word, yeah. And so there may be a number of reasons why you're entering into a new church, but here's number one. I want to meet with a staff member, a pastor, a church leader, and I want to talk about past difficulty. Mm. Every Um, church has some kind of difficulty in its past, in its history, some more recent than others, but every church is going to have something. Everybody. Unless it's a brand new church plant, well, then their difficulty is fundraising. That's right. um, Number one, here are five questions that I ask under the category of difficulty. When was the last pastor to leave. I want to hear the story. Was he disqualified? Was he fired? Did he quit? Is he still mm-hmm. in the community? Um, number two, explain the last three staff members to come off staff and why. So for example, um, if you've had high turnover on the staff, well, maybe um, 
maybe that's a good thing. Uh, maybe it's because of vision. Maybe people are actually being sent off mm-hmm. to do different things. Um, maybe they're just really upset and there is a bad leadership culture right. and the staff turnover is a metaphor for body turnover. That's right. Know? And usually the health of the church is tied directly to the longevity of the leadership of the staff. Yes. You, and you're always going to see staff turnover, particularly in a few positions, but you want to see the core of the staff have been there for a long time. That's it's right. a good thing. Number three, are former elders, deacons, and staff still in the church? Still in the church. Yes. They're, now, they're still there, and that is still their church family. Yeah. So often when there's conflict, um, the person who comes off that leadership position leaves the church. Mm. And uh, I want to look and see who are who are the staff members and the elders and the deacons that have come off, but they've stayed and they're faithful to it. Yes. Um, I'll be honest, the most, um, I think one of the most uh, important positions to look at is this. Who are the church's past secretaries mm. and are they still in the church? And here's why, here's why I say that. Because that position sees everything They see behind the curtain. Oh, my goodness. They see the truth of personality and of character. And I think that's a – it may sound strange, but I wouldn't ask the secretary that. I would ask one of the pastors, Mm -hmm. um, who are your former secretaries? Are are they still in the church? Yes. Former deacons, et cetera, elders. Um, Number four, what was the last crisis – the church faced and, and and with that how did they deal with it absolutely um did the church did, did a number of the church leave well why i want to know that because um the past informs the present oftentimes mm-hmm. the decisions we make today are made in light of the hurts and the pains and the difficulties right. of the past so it'll help me make sense of the future if i know where you've come from finally number five who is the last member to be disciplined um it, it is expected in churches that eventually a member will walk away um, from Jesus and will need to go under some mm-hmm. process of church discipline. Maybe it never got to the final step of kicking them out of the church. Maybe it's actually, it just got to a point where they were confronted by maybe the elders and right. then they repented. That's mm-hmm. fine. I don't need to know names. I don't even need to know details. I actually just want to know that you guys take that seriously. Yeah, do they take it seriously? And yep. are they moving someone who is drifting away from the Lord to a point where they're trying to restore them? Absolutely. So number one, for all of you um, folk who are transitioning churches, you've been in church world for a while, um, you want to examine past difficulty in a conversation with one of their church leaders. Number two, you want to examine the church's leadership structure. Yes. Um, I am obsessed with this. I'm going to tell you why. My experience has been that bad organizations spiritually hurt people. Mm -hmm. The wake of bad communication is hurt souls. And there's people are too important to Jesus Christ to have bad organizations. Now, no organization is going to be perfect. Right. um, But here's what we want to do. We want to continually evaluate who we are to make it more life giving and accomplishing the mission within biblical parameters. Mm -hmm. So um, first question to, to ask, is this church elder led or congregational led. Um, this isn't the place to duke out which one is better, which is worse. They both have highs and lows. Mm-hmm. Um, they do. But you, you need to know this because how decisions are made is largely contingent on how they handle this tension between the congregation and the elders. If you um, want to be a part of every major decision the church ever makes, don't join an elder-led church. Yeah, that, it's going to drive elder, you nuts. Elder-led church is not where you want to be. Yeah. You know, the elders consolidate decision-making authority and um, elder-led churches move very quickly. They change quickly. Mm-hmm. And so if you're somebody who like, you don't like change, likely an elder-led church is going to change way faster than you're excited about. Um, if you hate, I mean, you hate committees 
and you just want uh, to get rid of all red tape, elder-led churches are generally great places to mm-hmm. go. And uh, what I love personally about elder-led churches is um, that uh, when the Holy Spirit says move, they have the freedom to move. Right. Um, what I appreciate about congregational-led churches is that the congregation is kind of always in the loop. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, it doesn't mean that um, – Elder-led churches, the congregation isn't in the loop. It's just a different way of different doing it. Different model. And uh, so you want to know that going in. What's their leadership structure? Um, a sub-question for that, just, this is just one of my favorite questions. How are small decisions made and how are big decisions made? Mm-hmm. Um, a big decision might be hiring a staff member. A small decision might be um, uh, making a purchase or a small decision might be um, changing a room. Um, a small decision might be starting a ministry, um, something like that. Changing the font size on yeah. the on the bulletin. On the bulletin, right? <laughs> uh, that, which is always funny because uh, it, yeah, that'll, that that that's a good way to start a fight. So, <laughs> number three, can I see your org chart, please? <laughs> yes. Um, now let's let's just give some benefit of the doubt. Um, the smaller the church, the less likely there will be an org chart. Mm-hmm. And I understand that. And that's okay. Um, if and, they have an org chart and it's like ready for you, that's a really good sign. That's a good thing. That's it, a good thing. It, it tells you that they have thought through their organizational structure, totally. their leadership structure. Yeah, because good organizations heal people and that's bad right. organizations hurt people. It's just kind of a general rule. Mm. So maybe they don't have an org chart. Then give them a piece of paper and say, okay, who's in charge? Yeah. Who makes decisions? Draw it out for me. And uh, start picking out the staff and say, okay, where did they go? Who do they mm-hmm. report to? How does this work? If I'm jumping in, who do I talk to about this? And right. help them draw it out so you can kind of see what's going on. And I, I want to be really honest here, Okay. The smaller the church, the more simple it is to organize it. Mm -hmm. And the org chart for a 200-person church should be very simple. The org chart for a 50- or 100-person church should be very simple. If the org chart is hyper-complicated, just beware. Um, Disorganized churches are very hard to get into. They're very hard to change. And it says that there's probably not somebody who's organizationally minded. It could be an incredible church still, but you just need to know disorganized churches don't grow very fast. um, And disorganized churches have a hard time getting things done just Mm -hmm. for what it's worth. I always want to see the org chart. And if I can't see the org chart, I want them to draw it out for me. Um, Finally, number four, uh, I'll just use village church as an example. Um, I ask, what should I expect village church, fill in the blank church to look like in one year? Yeah. You're wanting to hear what is their mission and vision for yep. the next year or even five years? Absolutely. And if you're a 10,000 person church, my expectation is you're like, we're planting five churches. We're raising $10 million. It should be to crystal meet. clear. It should be crystal clear. The larger you are and the larger you are, the vision scales with size. Okay. Yes. If you're a hundred person church, um, I want to know. Um, what is standing between you and accomplishing your mission? And what are you going to do about mm-hmm. it? So maybe in a year, the pastor might look at you instead of saying, we're going to raise $10 million. He may look at you and say, we really need to make better disciples. And so our goal is to um, make 10 more disciples who are growing and they're going to be discipling other people. And so maybe in a year we have two people being discipled who are not currently being discipled, right? Maybe yes. that's it. Um, And so the smaller the church, the smaller probably that one-year vision, and that's fine. I don't need big vision. I need vision that corresponds to the actual mission structure size of the church. Or or 
is this church really trying to grow the kingdom of God or yes. is it just doing church week after week after week and really not really growing or going anywhere? Yep. And, that, and that's just a huge question. So leadership structure is big, elder led, congregational led, how are decisions made? Can I see your org chart? What should I expect blank church to look like in a year? Finally, number three, those of you who've been around church world for a while, I have a hunch this may be the most important one for you. Probably is. I call it personal hangups and PTSDs. Okay. Biggie, 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 um, biggie. So we bring all of our past junk to the table of whatever church we go to. And that's understandable. It's normal. The hope is that whatever we left, that what we're entering into is going to be more whole, functional, mm-hmm. Christ exalting, yes. and can provide a season of healing for us. That's that's a big goal. So um, personal hangup, PTSD, um, number one might be church size. If you know you want to go to a mega church, well, then don't visit Village Church of Barlow. That's right. You there know? are four mega churches that surround Village Church within yeah. 20 minutes of drive. Totally. We can we can point you over there. And yes. so like end that discussion now. If you are done with the mega church and you're like, I need a church family. I don't mm-hmm. want to be a part of a church organization or or something like that. I want to be a part of a small church family where my kids are known and I'm whatever, you know. Village uh, Church probably is a place for you to look at. Yeah, and Village Church could be that place. And there's a number of other churches in our community that could be really life-giving, helpful places That's for right. you. And so just kind of knowing church size, being aware of your own personal hangups and what you want and don't want. Um, there are some things you need to recognize if you're coming from a large church to a smaller church. Production quality will never be as high. Um, you will not get world-class communicators in and out of the pulpit every single week. You will get good godly men mm-hmm. who are teaching That's faithfully right. God's word. Um, so you just need to adjust expectations. But um, the value add is just different than being a small church. Um, they both have value, but you need to figure out for yourselves you know, what you're thinking. Number two is going to be doctrinal hangups. If I'm, if I'm a Calvinist, I'm not going to go to an Arminian church. No. I'm not even going to waste my time. I already know you're going to drive me nuts. And I'm going to drive you nuts. Let's be honest. And if you're a dispensational, pre-tribulational, premillennial, end times, whatever, eschatology, <laughs> then don't go to a Reformed, Covenantal, Presbyterian church. They're going to drive That's you right. nuts and you're going to drive them nuts. And so um, if you believe in infant baptism, don't go to a Baptist church. You yes. Know? So unless you're willing to hold those things loosely, just know your doctrinal hangups and please don't go into an already established church and get mad at them for not agreeing with you. Yeah, try to change them or be mad at them for their their doctrinal stance. And we said yesterday, be sure to go to the church, their church's website, look for that doctrinal statement. What do we believe will be there? You'll see it before you ever walk in the door. Amen. And, And there's no need. There's no... Yeah, everything you could ever need should be on the website should for be. that kind of stuff. And if not, your first conversation with the pastor can say, I'm OCD about Calvinism, infant baptism, and end time stuff. Where do you believe? You know? That's right. And then you can just take that off the table. Um, also, those conversations are not a place to debate the pastor. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, 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 no. Um, personal hangups and PTSD number three, pastoral expectations. Yes. So if you came from a church of under 150 or 200 people, you had direct access to your senior pastor. And and your expectation is if you if you were in the hospital or if you had some kind of problem that you would have a personal contact from yep. that pastor. Yep. And and the pastor, right? Yeah, and the pastor. Not the associate pastor, no. right? So uh, I'll just speak for Village, for example. Um, so there are roughly five to 550 people who call Village Church their home church. Um, as, as of this date, that's kind of the number. Mm-hmm. And um, two to four times a month they attend on average. Okay. So great. It is impossible for you and I 
together collectively. We just can't. Even if our full time job was can't do it together. Yeah, even if it was just ministering to personally every person, we couldn't do it. So, and, and that's why we have community group leaders and community groups that surround. And we we tell people, you want to get connected, you want to be loved on. The place to find that love and that that care is through a community group. Amen. Our community groups are the front lines of all of our shepherding and care, uh, care, hospital visits, church discipline, mm-hmm. um, encouragement, community, all starts there. Like and that and is, it doesn't mean that you and I are not going to visit, that no, we're no, not no, going to no. connect with people. We are. But the reality is we just don't have enough hours in the week to do that with everyone. Yep. I, I obsess over my community group. Like that's mm-hmm. that's where my people are at in a sense. And, um, and so, but that's just different. So if you come in with that expectation, just kind of knowing what's going on culturally, um, and in, in terms of pastoral expectations and church size, um, if a church is around 300, here's what I can tell you. The pastor is stressed because mm-hmm. he still feels the need to be personally there for everybody, right. but doesn't actually have the time to do it. And he's feeling pretty guilty. I've been mm-hmm. there and I understand that that tension. And so just realistic expectations. Um, one of the trends that I appreciate in churches is that they're growing small. This is a, a theme at Village. Yes. So we're having more gathering times that are smaller. So it feels like like you're in a smaller community, mm-hmm. but there's still 500 or 550 people. So the demand on the staff is big, but your experience is small. small. And so just, just to understand some of those larger tensions, I had um, uh, some people think Village Church is 1,000 people, and some people <laughs> think Village Church is 200 people. Mm-hmm. You know, It's like nobody really quite knows how to quantify it because right. it, it's just hard to do because you don't see everybody in one place at one time, and people are really bad at counting in groups. All right, before we jump to the next one, and mm-hmm. I know you're anxious to get the next one, not only with the pastoral expectation, but the expectation for the pastor's wife. Mm-hmm. You and I are both married. We got wonderful wives. Preach. They do great ministry in the church at Village. But what is someone's expectation for the pastor's wives? Let's just talk about that a little bit. Yeah, you know, it depends on your culture. So if, for example, in the African-American culture, um, the pastor's wife is called the first lady. Oftentimes she's Mm -hmm. a co-senior pastor. Yeah. And so in that context, you're going to have different expectations for a pastor's wife than we'll say in a typical non-denominational evangelical white church. Okay. Um, They're different. Usually in, in churches like ours, the senior pastor, the assistant pastor, all the pastor's wives are kind of just doing their own ministry and their own thing. They're not right. up front. They're not the first lady, if you will, like they are in some cultures. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, it's just a different expectation. And so some people expect the pastor's wives to be all that in a bag of chips and yeah. to be in the front lines of ministry. Yeah. And my wife's caring for three kids, you know, like she's not really on the front lines of, of all the ministry. And and um, and so every, every pastor's wife is made different. Now, if you're in a health and wealth or prosperity church, the pastor's wife is going to have an elevated role in those mm-hmm. communities. And just to just to know that. Um, and I think just having a realistic expectation is great. Um, I forget what episodes, I think it was three or four weeks ago, we had my wife and your wife on right. about what's it like being a pastor's wife and raising <laughs> pastor's kids. It was actually great. Um, great podcast that it was great to hear our wives just process that. All right. So let's get to the fourth one. Past wounds. Yeah. You know, we bring all of our junk. I do. Um, we do. You do. Um, we've seen it in each other. Yep. We've seen Sometimes it in other we people. we drag it right behind us like a big giant trunk. Yep. And and that's that's part of being human. Yeah. Um, churches have the ability to wound deeply. I always say the three greatest wounds in life are daddy wounds, sex wounds, church wounds. Mm-hmm. Um, those three things get right down to the core of our soul. Um, and so just understand when you where you come from. 
And, uh, you know, there are a number of people who transfer to me their negative experiences with their former senior pastors. That's right. And I understand it. Like, I'm not upset about it. I get it. It's hard. Um, I found myself at times doing that with people in different ways. Lots of grace. But um, I appreciate personally uh, people who have come from harder circumstances, the time that they've taken to get to know me Mm -hmm. because they know that tendency in them and they actually want to know me for who I am and what makes me tick. And uh, I do find a lot of those past wounds are about leadership. Not all, but a, a lot. A lot of other past wounds are about church organization and how hard it was to break in and mm-hmm. different things that happened in light of that. Um, but really I find most of these come down to um, the, the the senior pastor, lead pastors, the core team, the leadership team, and the culture that they that they created. And this That's is coming right. from small churches and big churches. And both, you know, both sizes. Uh, anybody who is uh, listening to this, who is at Village, who comes from a smaller big church, you all think I'm talking about you because this is just <laughs> a common experience. Um, and, you know, Tim and I, we live with, with this the reality of this weight. We yes. have the capacity because of our positions right now to do great good or great harm, which yes. is why we want to steward, you know, this office really, really mm-hmm. well. But just to be aware of the PTSD that comes from pastor wounds and church wounds. It's yes. real. It's thick. It's hard. Um, finally, number five is your current passions. Um, you, if you are obsessed with, uh, we'll just say, um, uh, contemporary music and playing lead guitar in a t- contemporary worship band, and they have hymns. That's, go to that that's not your church. That's that not is not church. a church that you need to seek out. Right. And, 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 and if you are passionate about local or global outreach and you find out that that church is really not there, they're, that's not one of their passions, yep. then that's not a church for you to plug into. Yep. And we almost sound like church consumers. Like we're, we're telling people how to be consumers. Yeah, we're, not, we're not talking about yeah. that. Our, our expectation is that this is like dating. Mm-hmm. You want to date somebody so that you can be their family. Yes. You know what I mean? You date to marry. You don't date to just to jump around and be like, huh? If you're a consumer for the sake of being a consumer, this you've missed the complete point of this entire podcast. And we'll just say being a follower of Jesus. Okay. Um, what we want to help you do is date churches well, so that when you marry them, you have a successful family relationship mm, well with them. Well said. We want you to go from being a consumer, which is how it starts, to becoming family as quickly and soon as humanly possible. So that's all of this. So look at their past difficulty. Look at their leadership structure. Be aware of your personal hangups and PTSDs. And I think if you can do that and you can have those conversations, you can really be set up to enter into a church and be excited about it and know what you're getting into. So I hope for our listeners that was really helpful. And uh, I just, my heart goes out to everybody who finds themselves in a church transition. It's gut wrenching. It is never easy. And uh, I know our desire is to make it as easy as possible. But even that last night had a conversation with an awesome dude who said, Hey, there's some friends of mine. They're having a hard time jumping in. Uh, And I was like, man, that's, we need to we need to get to the we need to get to the core of that because yes. we want to make this transition life giving and helpful. Yes, we just believe that if you're going to grow in your discipleship, if you're going to grow as a follower of Christ, you got to be plugged into a local church. So, listeners, we want you to get plugged into a local church. If you're local and you haven't tried Village Church, please try us. And if not, find that church. Follow the advice that we've just given you in the last couple of days. Plug in to a family where you can share your God-given gifts and talents to further the kingdom of God. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. Please come back next time when we answer the question in Genesis 3.22, why does God speak about himself in the plural? 